Thank you for tuning in to episode five of the Keto Matrix podcast. Originally, Brittany and I were going to call this artificial sweeteners, but we discussed so much more. If you've ever been confused along your keto journey, this is an episode you will not want to miss. Thank you so much. Enjoy. Like, subscribe, and share. And please, rate us five stars. The more people we can get in front of, the more lives we can help change. Free your mind, change your life. Let's jump into the latest episode. The Keto Matrix Podcast, where myths are busted, science is explained, and the keto lifestyle is discussed by industry experts and everyday people alike. For more information and support, go to theketomatrix.com. Now, let's jump into our latest episode. Hello. What's up? How goes it? It's good. It's awesome. It's a wonderful Wednesday so far. Awesome. How was your steak? Oh, man. There's just something about steak. I just, I, I, oh, man, it's so good. So I've been, I've been seasoning it, like I said earlier, with the tactical, the tactical calories. So I guess tactical calories is whatever they call it. The salt and pepper, which is really good. But um, I have fallen in love with reverse searing via smoking it first at a low temp for a good 30 minutes and then searing it and finishing finishing it off over charcoal. And I I mean, it's life changing. It's an experience that everyone should totally have at least once in their life. Um, However, you know, I am having steak every single day and today is the 12th. So it's been (laughs) 12 days of steak, which I'm not sick of it yet, but I am altering some things to kind of change the flavor profile. So Yesterday and today, I smoked it with pecan wood um, or pecan, depending on what part of the country you're in. I feel like I say that a lot. Um, And prior to that, I was using hickory. So um, it adds a different flavor profile as far as like some of the sweetness, some of the boldness. And uh, it's good. It's great. Um, So I I apologize for being late, but man, eating is uh, eating is important. Not the most important thing, but um, it had been 21 hours since I had food last, so I'm glad I, I could get my steak in. <laughs> All right, so I want to keep this kind of short and sweet um, for multiple reasons. One, because I'm late and I want to respect your time, but I also want to, I want this to be one of those episodes that listeners can kind of uh, jump into, send to people um, for clarity, for defense purposes, for whatever reason that they have that doesn't, in, doesn't require like a ton of invested time to listen to. Um, I listen to a ton of different podcasts. I know you do as well. Some of my favorites, ketogenic athlete, keto evangelist, um, uh, healthy pursuit, uh, two keto dudes, um, burn it nutrition, keto savage obviously is, is one of the top. I mean, there's a ton, right? And I think that you can get muscle expert podcast with Ben Pukowski. Um, just a lot of really good ex- episodes out there, but I really wanted to make sure that when people came here, they kind of felt like it was just you and I and our guests talking, just kind of hanging out, which a lot of those podcasts do have that kind of feel, but I wanted to be more intentional with trying to have that relaxed because I feel that <laughs> keto is so overwhelming even for, yeah, even for like people that have been doing it for a long time, I feel like more and more I have people that I run across that get mentally overwhelmed with what to do, what not to do, how to do it, how to do it properly. And 
what's so funny is we're actually re-recording this episode for the simple fact that some new information came out since the last time we recorded this for the first time. And I didn't want to put the old episode out knowing that I have new information now. So um, we're here. Yeah. <laughs> How does that you're like, yeah, cool. So um, I think the, the first recording we talked primarily about what proper keto is and what it isn't and all that kind of good stuff right mm, the first recording we just talked about ourselves no no no. i mean like the first the first recording of oh this, this is the re-record yes yes okay so first off shout out to the new york jets for winning against detroit absolutely fantastic that was the way to start the season just throwing it out there um shameless plug for the jets if you're not a Jets fan or you're looking for a football team to, to be a fan of, the Jets will always take you. Uh, okay, so... You probably don't want to go to the Jets. Just <laughs> You are spending the majority of the season really frustrated with them. I'm sorry, you were breaking up. Did you say something? Yes, you heard me. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, though, so... Just wait, I, guys. Just wait till mid-football season. Just wait. Back to keto because Sam Darnold's not trying to hear any of this noise right now. Um, but uh, <laughs> having said that, though, with keto, I feel like we had talked about like some people that have peanut butter and don't have peanut butter and strict and the keto police and all these different terms that are out there. And, you know, I feel like you can't properly do something unless you know how to properly do it without all the white noise. But I also feel like a lot of people look at me and think I am um, so absolute with how things should be done. You know, like exogenous ketone use and what supplements, and I'm really not that bad. (laughs) I am, however, one that feels that if you haven't done it with as limited amount of inputs as possible first, then when you have all the other things included, it makes it really difficult for you to um, make adjustments to optimize how how and what it is that you're attempting to get done. And I can't stress that enough because for me, it is about optimization, right? Like I want people to recognize that with keto and living their life ketogenically, they have the ability to be the best version of themselves better than what they've ever been before and easier um, when done properly. So I think that's why I come off so black and white, so very narrow, and as I appear to be absolute, which I'm really not. So let me explain some of those things if that's cool. Go for it. All right, so I think the first problem is artificial sweeteners or legitimate sweeteners that aren't artificial, either way. I know that there are a ton of keto pages and groups and I don't know. Do you call them personalities? Those people that have like 40,000 followers on Instagram? I think so. Like, I mean, I'm not saying that this is an example of who you're talking about, but like keto savage, that's a personality. (laughs) He does have a personality. Robert Sykes, shout out. (laughs) He Um, definitely has a personality, but I'm just saying like in general, who they are in that context is a per like that is the personality that they're putting forward. I'm not saying that it's always fake or not true to if you met them in real life, but that is still just like okay, Neo wait, wait, wait. with the mohawk. With the mohawk, and yeah, the, 
personality. I yeah. I was just sitting here thinking it just smacked me in the face. What does Instagram call them? Public figures, I think, right? When they're over like 10,000 followers. Maybe. I don't know. I, I, I aspire for all of you that are listening. It's keto.neo on Instagram. Feel free to, <laughs> to like He wants to be a public figure. <laughs> I do. Go actually, Neo. you know, what's crazy is that some of the things that you can actually do with your Instagram profile change when you have that, that many followers. Like swipe up for whatever. You can't do it until you have over 10,000 followers. Interesting. I know. I thought that was pretty clever. But either way, I digress. Um, so artificial sweeteners, right? Some people will tell you, no, you can't use them. I'm one of those people, by the way. I, I, I don't think anyone should use any kind of artificial sweetener at all, no matter what. Um, and then you'll have other people that um, they're like, oh, you know, I've been really successful, but I use Powerade Zero to manage my electrolytes. And so there are people that are new to keto, people that have been doing keto for a while and they can't figure it out. And they're at all these different groups and all these different pages and following all these different people trying to figure out, well, what's right? What's accurate? And so the first thing I want to say to give some people some freedom is this. I am not you. You are not me. And our journeys are completely different and will forever be completely different. Um, you know, <laughs> you you texted me earlier today and you said, yeah, well, I worked out yesterday and then I went for a run, which turned into kind of a walk because my legs are killing me. And what was my response to that? That I'd heard it before, but I had to let my body rest because <laughs> if I didn't, then I was just going to have more injuries, essentially, is what you told me. That was the, the exact wordage, but... Yeah, yeah, but very close, though. But yeah, to, to that, that point, right? And, you know, you're prepping for some races that you have coming up, you are recovering from a hamstring thing. And I feel like that's you in this moment in time right now, right? Now, mm -hmm. if you had never been injured, if you weren't trying to prep for some of the races, I would say it's different. Like we could take a different approach. Um, for me right now, I am hitting body parts multiple times a week because I need to get my volume up and I am specifically training. Um, I'm still doing calisthenics as a base, but hyper like hypertrophic response is my biggest thing for everything right now. And so with volume and lifting heavy to get those things done, to really put on mass. Now, with that said, if you would have asked me four months ago, I would have told you I'm maximizing three days a week, no more than that. And my training was a lot different, right? So reeling it all back in, I can't compare those months and how I was eating and what I was eating to right now. No differently than I can't compare what I'm eating right now to what you should be eating based on us doing different things and being in different times and spaces. So when people look at keto, I want to give and I want them to realize there is a very clear way to start and do it properly. Right. And it's all about limiting your carbohydrate intake, period. Carbohydrates, whether that's carbohydrates from sugar, carbohydrates from a potato, carbohydrates from an apple, regardless, I don't care what it is, right? So as long as you do that, you will allow your body to produce ketones and run in ketosis and run on ketones. So that's like, that's the black and white. That's the simplistic, right? Now, for those people that are looking to be the best version of themselves when it comes to ketogenic performance or 
maximize the amount of fat they can oxidize and lose, um, maximize how much inflammation they can reduce because they have rheumatoid arthritis and they're trying to change that, maximize how well their digestive, digestive system works because they have IBS and they want to heal their gut and everything else. You know, whenever it comes to those things, then there are different parameters that are added in order to maximize that. Now, I will tell you this. For me personally, I am all about being the healthiest I can be, okay? I want to live until I'm 120 years old, as my mom would say. So if I'm going to make the choices and decisions to my body and what I'm putting in it, I want to make the choices that allow me to be the healthiest version day in and day out. So I will... On that point, really fast, I just want to bring up, because this is a conversation that I just had with... um, Actually, another one of your clients who um, I think oftentimes we don't take into account how our different brains work and how our minds process things and what like the importance of mental health. And I'm not saying that anything that you're going to say, but like for you, it is much easier. And you're a year into over a year into this now, right? Yeah, it's uh, two plus right now. I was going to say, if I'm at six months, you're even farther because, yeah, yeah, time flies. It <laughs> really does. Fast, time flies. Yeah. Um, but uh, not to give a spoiler alert, but I don't remember if it was Danny or Robert, but one of them made a point that I really liked uh, when we were recording with them about where where you're at now or where they were at now is not where they were when they first started and, like, knowing what they know um, and even oh, yeah. what – what they mentally were able to do or where they were at at that point in time. Um, and so keeping in mind that sometimes some of that like super strict restriction in the beginning can actually be a little bit, again, stressful to the point that you made earlier there at the beginning of the podcast. Um, and that there might be things that you're working towards. Um, but I know Neo's, biggest goal is that it's never that you didn't know and that's why you were doing it um but that it's maybe you're just not there yet but that you are making a conscious decision to make that choice knowing what the potential consequences of it are does that make sense no um (laughs) it does i think it's i understand exactly what you're saying based on me knowing who it is that you're talking about and where you're coming from with that as well as having recorded the podcast that these listeners have not heard yet with Robert and Danny. Um, so contextually speaking, I'm, I'm there with you. I have all the background, but I, I agree. So like, and I, I again, I totally agree. And I, I want to make this clear. I do think mental health and nutritional health are equally as important. Actually, yeah, equally as important. I, I'm not going to say one is more important than the other. Um, so having said that, though, um, I also think that we always have to put into context where we are at within growing to be the best version of ourselves and how we get there. Right. So, um, fair, fair, fair point, which we're going to, we have to get her on to interview her. Um, Rianda, right. Well, my wife, when she started, she, I encouraged and advised that she have a cheat day three weeks in. I'm leaving that. Which, like if you know her, there. what's or if you have worked with him whatsoever, you know that that is like uh, generally me. a big no. Yeah, that's ne- that's never happening. Um, so, and and my reasoning for that was 
she wasn't following exactly what I was asking her to follow. Um, I could see the mental strain it was putting on her. And I wanted her to recognize and feel the impact of what the last three weeks had been on her body, like how she felt, how she was feeling, the changes that were made, um, as well as give her a mental break so that she could get off and get back on and, and go strong. So she had a cheat and it was a disaster, which I already knew. Some people have to learn that way. So I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the person that is severely obese and looking to you know, reduce their carbohydrate content and they want to follow 20 grams of net carbs when they start because that is easier for them to wrap their head around. If that's what they have to do, that's fine. I'm not going to advise they do that. I am just going to say, okay, cool, that's fine. That's still better than what you were doing. Um, budgetarily, right? There are certain people that can't afford to eat grass-fed steak, even at $6.99 a pound, right? But that doesn't mean that you are not going to have absolute benefits from doing hamburgers and hot dogs with cheese with no bun and eliminating all the sugar and sodas that you're drinking and be able to get to a point where you're making and producing ketones and running on ketones, right? Like that's just not going to be the optimal way that I'd approach it. But listen, if that's where your budget is right now, start with what you got. So I get those things. What I never have um, a tolerance for is people that are like, yeah, I'm going to do keto but I'm not going to restrict the things I want to eat. So like if I want a slice of birthday cake today, I'm going to have a slice of birthday cake because that's easier for them to be able to say, oh, listen, I went four days and I want birthday cake today. So I'm going to have birthday cake. Right. I'm not, I'm not good with that. Um, I'm not good with, you know, I'm, I'm keto and I am addicted to Oreo cookies. So I'm going to figure out some kind of way to make a keto alternative of the thing I'm addicted to. Not cool with that. Um, I am very empathetic for the fact that these are addictions. I mean, I'm a, I am an addicted individual, right? But at the same time, if you're going to make in your mind or make up in your mind that you're going to do and make a change, then you need to make that change. Um, so that's where I stand with that. My mom, I tried to get to do keto for, I don't know, a really long time. And we had she had pushed back her start date a few weeks, a couple times. And I knew, knowing her, that she was doing it because she needed to be in the right mental space, which was fantastic. And when she started, she never looked back. So I was, I'm super proud of my mom. She's killing it. But like, I understand people that need to put themselves in that position. Um, I also feel like people need to recognize that eating ketogenically and when you, you are profoundly aware of what you're putting in your body, and the effect and impact it has on your body, it starts to make you suddenly aware. It's kind of like um, if you were standing in the middle of Times Square with no clothes on, all the lights were off. Right. All of, it's like you don't know that you're you're kind of aware of it, but you're super aware of it when a spotlight is thrown on you and all the lights come back on. You're like, oh, my goodness, I'm naked in the middle of Times Square. I feel like those are the kind of things that happen along this journey where people are like, I had no idea I was this addicted to food. I had no idea I was this dependent on sugar in my coffee. I had no idea that when I drank Powerade Zero 
that my insulin spiked as high as it did, right? Um, I remember a client that had been doing keto um, off and on for a while, was how, how he trained, and he loved it. And I had a conversation with him, and he was like, wait a minute, what do you mean I shouldn't be putting, um, I can't remember what he was using. He was using like creamers with sugar and some other things, and I was just like, dude, you gotta stop doing that. And he's like, yeah, but they're sugar-free. And I was like, well, you know, you're wondering why you're not progressing further than where you are, and it's because of these artificial sweeteners. Sure enough, he stopped, and he couldn't believe how much different he felt, how his body responded, how much extra fat he burned, um, based on eliminating those things because of the insulin response, right? So that's one of those things where it's like, I want people to know and start at a ground zero so that then they can... Um, you know, do their own N equals one experiments with what impacts them differently and at different times. Right. When you first start out keto, uh, I'm a very big advocate. Your first six weeks, it needs to be on the straight and narrow. Right. There's no there shouldn't be any games. There's no net carbs. It's total carbs. It's 20 grams or less. And I don't have any leeway in that. There's no sugar, no sugar added, no sugar, anything so that we can completely change your body. Right. Change the metabolism, the way in which your body's metabolizing food and creating energy and doing it. So you're fat adapted. Well, I want that. I want that for everyone. So if we're going to do that and it's a six week period of time and you make that change, you make that transition. Then after that, you can start to decide if you want to make adjustments and if you want to make changes and then experiment and see what those changes are and how they react to you. Um, but. This has turned into something completely different than what I thought we were talking Sorry. about. I think no, that's no, cool. I think it's good. Um, I just I don't think people give enough weight to the recognition that everything you put in your body does impact it. Like it really does, man. I mean, I, we had the the podcast up on macros, and um, I know based on when I wake up in the morning how I feel based on how I ate the day before. You you mentioned to me um, you've been waking up tired, mm -hmm. right? Now, the response to that and the reason that you're waking up tired is because of where your fat to protein ratio is and where it has been So and, and how hard you're training. So your fat to protein ratio, um, I find, and this is true in myself as well, when my protein's up a little bit higher and I'm getting more protein in, and my fat is a little bit closer to, closer to that amount, I wake up and I feel a little bit more tired. Not exhausted, but kind of groggy. It takes a while for me to kind of like get my wits about me. Now, some of that also can be altered with how late in the day I eat and when I go to sleep and, you know, what my insulin response is to that. But if I am super high on fat, right, like 82% or higher in ratio to the protein that I intake, when I wake up, it's like I never fell asleep. I'm just wide awake. As soon as my eyes pop open, I'm good to go and ready to go. So understanding that, right, like there's an adjustment and there's a change. Um, if I know I'm going on a road trip, I'm going to do the best that I can to pound fat because I want my energy. I don't want to feel like I'm bonking. I don't want to feel like I'm tired. Um, and that will be the way, best way to do it. So there's there's just differences and changes that impact us. And, and we don't recognize nearly the same amount when we're on a traditional carbohydrate based eating protocol because of the water retention, the way our body's uh, delayed in absorbing things, all the fiber that we can't actually process that's blocking things up and so many other things. So I say all of that to say, to go back to the artificial sweetener thing, uh, you want to get that out of your system. You want to not use that and you want to allow your body to respond and function without that hindrance. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. <laughs>
like of course it makes sense what am i going to say now that it doesn't um say i was not expecting that to totally derail your conversation but so i apologize but listen it's information that someone is going to write down and say oh wow okay so so yeah so i mean I, i think it's important though because i mean think about it you know we were talking about Instagram and public figures, but how many people start keto? They go follow all of these keto people and then they're like, all right, cool. Um, I cannot tell you how often I've seen a full day of eating keto. And I'm kind of like, what difference does it make what their full day of eating keto is like? Their full day of eating keto can't be like your full day of eating keto for many reasons. Um, we have a podcast that's coming up with Danny, myself, and Robert. The three of us are going to talk about this mass mass building protocol, and we we all approach nutrition um, when it comes to adding weight and muscle size differently. So I think it's going to be a fantastic podcast for people to listen to and glean knowledge from. But having said that, um, I can just tell you when it comes to like dropping weight, Danny, he's carnivore, he does keto. And he will drop his fat down and it's easier and more enjoyable for him to eat meat and be able to drop his fat down and totally cut up, which, by the way, he has a carnivore keto cut program. If you wanted to follow him, it's keto counterculture on Instagram, but he's got an awesome program with that and people have great success doing it. Now, Robert, on the other hand, I know he has more of my methodology when it comes to um, keeping your fat pretty stable, doesn't change that much and reducing protein down little by little by little. And in doing that, you wind up allowing your body to burn and oxidize a lot more fat. But they're two different protocols and they both work depending on where you are within your plan and your your experience with keto. It's not something that I think anybody should jump into and say, hey, I'm doing that. And I will tell everyone, one of the biggest problems that I see with people that first start keto in them not losing the amount of weight that they'd like to is them not taking in enough fat. Because they are not promoting their body's ability to utilize fat for fuel. And in doing that, their body starts to try to become metabolically flexible with each one of the macronutrients. So again, it's one of those things where it's like if you want to get to optimization, you want to get to efficiency and be at the highest rate of oxidizing fat, there are certain things you can do a little bit differently that help with that. Sweeteners being one of them. Keep those up. I mean, what do you think is like... The most challenging thing for people that start because i keep talking about artificial sweeteners and being the best version and blah 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 but i mean at the end of the day when you first started what do you think was most confusing for me honestly the hardest thing for me to wrap my head around was the so few vegetables like that was by far especially when I was like I had started following several different um, keto people and um, you see them like eating this huge salad. And I'm like, how in the world are you eating that salad and staying under your carbs for the day? Especially when I see him eating an entire avocado. I'm like, I know how many carbs are in that. Like, how did you do that? And a salad and um, and um like the sugars and stuff, that was one thing. Um, it was hard to understand like why certain sweeteners were better than others, but then that was pretty easy to figure out. Like just in talking with you more about like insulin response and stuff. Um, but 
but because everybody does have an individualized approach. There's no like cookie cutter, like follow this exact program and it's going to work for you. And you're going to have the same exact results as the person who is doing it right next to you. And you guys both follow up perfectly. But, um, and so I think it can be really easy to get caught up in the, well, but can I do that? Or, uh, what it works for them. So why can't I try that? And, and quite honestly, to your point, you can. Um, but a lot of times we try to make more than one adjustment at a time. Um, and so I think the point that you made about take it down, like your approach is the first six weeks you take it down ground zero, like follow no sugar and no anything. And then if you decide you want to do those N equals N of one experiments, then pick one thing that you want to introduce and see how that affects you and go from there. And then you can actually tell what those feelings are um, and what its true effect is on you. And then, and then you get to make the decision for yourself. Like, is this something I want to continue or is this something that I'm like, yeah, no, that's a side effect that I didn't realize I was having and I don't want to do that. And so then, you know, um, and you're like, that's great for that person on Instagram with their 40,000 plus followers <laughs> the, the um, and that that works for them, but it doesn't work for me. But you can't know that if you haven't really scraped out all like cut out all the white noise and cut everything down to bare bones approach and then added one thing at a time and not just for one day. Like that's one thing that I think sometimes happens is people are like, Oh, well I tried this one day and I didn't have any issues the next day, but sometimes it takes like several days to see that. So like really give something, I personally would say probably at least a week to kind of like, and be following and tracking, like looking at all of things, not just number one, how you feel, but also look at your numbers, look at your weight, look at just your sleep pattern and how you feel throughout the day. What's your energy like throughout the day? Um, and yeah, and I'm sure there's probably other things that I'm not thinking about cause you do this on the day to day with people, <laughs> but like those no, are things you, I, that I know, like, I know that I've been there and I've been really frustrated and str and I'm like, why is this? But if you really want to try those things, that's fine. But you really have to have a clean slate that you're starting from because otherwise you're not really going to be able to tell. I totally agree. So and that's the thing. I feel like, you know, at the end of the day, I ask every one of my clients to journal and ask them to journal daily. And part of it is for me so that they can kind of express in more detail what they're feeling, what they're going through and how I can help them get over those hurdles. And then the other part is for them, because, you know, my point in coaching is to empower each one of my clients to be able to go it alone successfully. Right. I want them to be able to um, learn, take in the information, not specifically about keto or just about keto, but learn about themselves, learn about what their triggers are, learn about um, why they eat, what their emotions are behind food, um, and then learn those things and utilize it so that as they, you know, go away from the handholding and they get more into the, wow, I got this and I'm going to be able to do this and have maintained, you know, success years and years after uh, they stop coaching with me. So, I think those are all great points. And having said that, I also think that that's the reason why journaling is so important because you can't do it one day. You've got to be able to write the information down and, and go back to it. I mean, I'm sitting here, my journal's right here on my desk and I have every single day of 
my weight, what my breathalyzer number was, what my ketone numbers were for certain days, what my glucose numbers were, my heart rate numbers, how I slept, um, and how much my number as far as weight changed on the scale. It's a lot of data. And I have it so that I can go back to, and I'll leave little notes and I'll say, you know, yesterday I had um, macadamia nuts and at a, at a higher level than I should have had. Or, you know, I know that I had more carbs than I've had typically and put that stuff in so that I can look and see how my body responds to those things. And I think that that's important for everyone so that they can, you know, be masters of their destiny and really look at, okay, well, I'm going to do this because this is what I want to have happen. Now, I always get the question, I want to intuitively eat keto. Can I do that? And I don't know how to answer that question because I will never tell anybody, yes, you should intuitively eat keto. I am a huge track track what you put in so you know what you're getting out, right? However, um, if you are, say you're like carnivore keto, you should mm-hmm. be able to be carnivore keto without tracking in the sense that you're going to eat meat and if it doesn't have a face, you're not going to consume it. And most of those things aren't going to have carbs anyway. So you don't have to worry about whether or not you're going to produce ketones or run on ketones or not. You may get to the point where you're intaking a bunch of protein, which is fine. That's not going to kick you out of ketosis per se, but your body is going to utilize that protein for fuel. So as long as you know that, fantastic. Uh, And if you want to throw in a few crutches like MCT oil to uh, help you when it comes to increasing or keeping your fats up, that's an option, right? Like those are the kind of things that there are adjustments even there that you could do intuitively and kind of get an idea for how your body is responding. However, I will say this, if you have specific goals, whether it's I'm on 23 medications right now and I need to get off of them, or I have a wedding that's coming up in two months and I really want to get down to XYZ size, or, you know, I want to be a, um, NPC competitor, or I have a race, an Ironman, or absolute whatever it is, I feel like any of those people that have specific goals in mind, then they should be taking a specific approach to reach them. Um, Because that will be how they figure out what they need to do and within the time frame that they have given in order to get to their their end goal. So I would say keep, you know, keep that in mind. Um, and I think I've said this before on a podcast. I think I said it when I talked macros. I was like, you can get from New York to California without a GPS and just right. drive west, yeah. right? So, I mean, that that if you haven't heard it, go back to the episode um, and listen to it. But, you know, it's true. You don't necessarily need specific directions on turn left here, turn right there, but they help. So I would always say track. I'm a huge fan of tracking. I think people should track. I think that it also, from an emotional standpoint, right? Like I'm a huge emotional eater. If I'm stressed, I want to eat. If I'm really stressed, I want to eat donuts. Um, and, And for me, keto has really helped me realize that Hey, if I plan food that I know is going to feed me, then I don't need to eat outside of that because I know and it's easier for me to be aware of the fact that my craving at that point in time is beyond a fuel need requirement and it's more of an emotional want requirement. And that's one of those things where it really allows me to say, dude, why are you eating that? Why do you want to eat that? Um, and be mentally aware of that. And I think that's something else that really helps when you're tracking and putting the information in so that you get an idea of separating the emotional aspect of food um, to the nourishment aspect of food, which is super important. But having said that, I've gone all over this. And one of the major things I wanted to cover is is stevia. <laughs> like, we got to get we got to talk about stevia. So uh, you had you had mentioned going to zero, like uh, clean slate um, when you're starting. And when I started carnivore, um, 
that was basically what I did. Like I started carnivore and I omitted a bunch of things and all I was really eating was beef. Every once in a while I throw some chicken. But when I started carnivore, it was like, that's it. I'm just going to eat meat. Actually, when I had initially started carnivore, I was in Texas after listening to Amber O'Hearn, who Amber, if you're listening, please, please, please shoot a message to me. I'd love to get you on the show. But um, started in Texas and it, it, a lot of different changes my body was making. But I basically just ate brisket every day. It was fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. But when I started carnivore, it was this was this was after a year already being keto. Um, started carnivore and I had some changes that I didn't realize. Right, like I had a sensitivity all of a sudden to erythritol. I had never had an issue with erythritol before. Uh, I knew it wasn't amazing. I knew there were different versions of it. But at the end of the day, you can't take corn and turn it into a white powdery substance that tastes like sugar without a process, an extensive process in processing this food. And it's not good for you. It's horrible for your gut. And there's a lot of other bad things. But it had never impacted me in a negative way. My wife, on the other hand, I mean, like debilitating pains if she ever had erythritol. She could have erythritol in the smallest of things and it totally derail her. So I had first experienced that for the first time after I had eaten carnivore. And when we, and I introduced erythritol back, and when we had recorded the first episode of this episode, um, I mentioned the alternative sweetener for that being stevia. I was like, if someone is looking for a a sweetener that is good for them, that is not going to jack up their gut, then they should look at stevia. And I mentioned sweet leaf. I know you remember this. Now I do. I just uh, was about to say, you never actually said that it was good for them. You just said if you were going like if you needed a sweetener, that would be the one that was the least of all the evils. Right. That's what I said. It was the least of all the evils. Correct. So um, I am going to retract that statement right now. And the reason I'm going to retract that statement is for the following reason. I had a follower. Shout out to the follower uh, who I posted. uh, I was at work and there were sugar packets. It was sweet and low, equal, Splenda and regular sugar. And I flipped them over so you could read the ingredients. This is on Instagram, keto.neo. And they all listed dextrose. And I was like, look, see, like these are things that are saying they're sugar free and they're not, which is why you have to be aware of what you're putting in your body because they all have sugar. So um, and then in the my comment, I had said something along the lines like, best of the worst situation, you know, use the sweet leaf stevia. And they sent me an article and I have since then read a handful of other articles supporting this article that stevia is actually used like the plant itself. Stevia is actually used in a lot of South American countries and other places for birth control. And I was like, wait, what? So um, I retract my statement from using stevia. I have thrown it out. We are no longer Again, using it at my house. Depends on what your goals are. Um, no, I can't say that this depends on what your goals are. If your goals are to jack up your hormones, then yeah, use stevia. But I, I, I can't say use stevia. I, I won't say use stevia. And the reason why, it, because of its huge impact on hormones, um, we sh- we shouldn't. <laughs> We should never willingly put something in our body that we know has an adverse effect, right? Now, people do it for sure, but I don't think that's a goal, right? It's like a, I'm a, I, the goal is to jack up my body right now. I don't think that drug addicts take their first hit of drugs to say, I'm going to take this because I want to jack up my life and my body, right? Like, right, but I don't think that comparing if you decide to have a can of Zevia as opposed to a can of Diet Coke, that that's a comparison to... Like 
Number one, what were what levels do they use of stevia for birth control? Like how how much do you have to consume before that's actually having those effects? I'm, these are questions that I don't know. I don't know if you read them in the articles. Again, if you're at a stage in your life where that is not a big deal to have a can of it versus something else, that might still be the better option for you. Let me throw this out there. You ready? This is this is about to like flip the script on the whole thing. Negative. I don't agree with that, and this is why I would rather that's okay. see I knew someone. You didn't agree with it. But <laughs> I would. That's why I like. But we no. didn't get on or do this together because we agree on everything. I, so. I know, I know, I know. But what I will say is this though, and this is this was something that kind of surprised Brianda too. I would rather a person drink something with natural sugar. And when I say natural sugar, I mean like raw turbinado or um, in Barbados they have this stuff called liquid sugar which is just the the nectar that they press out of sugar cane it's it's amazing by the way um, and or like if honey if you're traveling in Barbados at any time soon you can <laughs> grab you some <laughs> yes. or other parts of the Caribbean um, minimally processed but I think that it is more beneficial to the health of your body to take in something like a local honey or 100% pure maple syrup or uh, again, like a turbinado sugar, than it would be to put in a chemical alternative, which is why I always tell people, I would rather you tell me you drank a Coke with raw sugar and no corn syrup than a Diet Coke because of the chemicals from the aspartame and the other things that are like the chemical aspect of things. I would rather see someone tell me they are not going to eat keto any longer because they don't want to run on ketones and they prefer to run on carbohydrates, but that they're going to stay with a paleolithic approach, meaning that they're going to eat non-processed foods um, as their source of nutrition. I think that that is the healthier option. So that's why I say like with the articles I read on Stevia and I don't care what the dosing is, whether it's a small amount or a tablespoon, like the the hormonal responses the estrogen levels like it's it's bad and i and i also want to just point out like there are other things that impact our hormones right which we'll talk about and we can do those on later podcasts but i really do look at trying to eliminate those things from my life one of the things that i'm still working on eliminating completely is plastic right ziploc bags my plastic iso bag containers that i've posted about like i want to get rid of all those plastics because they they have a huge impact on estrogen and our hormone levels and regulations right so i'm not there yet right like i don't have the money to just ditch all of my plastic right now and buy all glassware but when I get to the point that I can, you better believe I will because I don't want to continue putting those things in my body. So that's where I'm like, yeah, no, I would rather see you make something with a maple syrup or honey than to go down the route of, yeah, I had a Zevia, which is why, again, um, I, I used to say, you know, have a Zevia. I've posted, listen, look at my Instagram. Like, this is not one of those things that I'm ashamed of. Like, as I learn, I continue to, to share that information as new things come out, as new research is provided. Um, I listen to a ton of podcasts at all times, as well as read a ton of research papers and things that are out and books because I want to continue learning, um, which is also why I don't think people should ever come from an absolute. But having said that, though, this was something that was new. And if you look at my Instagram, you'll see I have I have pictured it's like a bowl of popcorn and a Zevia, I think, to be exact. And I was keto. And, um, you know, so somebody's like, oh, my goodness, this guy thinks popcorn is OK on keto. And I'll say this. If you are eating under 20 grams of total carbs and you want to have a cup of popcorn because 
you're watching a football game and those are the only carbs you're going to have for the day, there are worse things you could do. Right. But I still will not have it with the Zevia. <laughs> like I, I won't put something in that's that I know is chemically harming my body knowingly. You know, if I don't know, I won't. Um, and when I do know, I'm going to share that information with you guys. So that's it. I think that's my biggest thing on that. And so, yes, you can use the devil's advocates approach, which is, well, you know, maybe they're at a different stage. Yeah, I get it. And I understand that. No, my devil's advocate approach would be you just said earlier in this podcast that you knew erythritol was terrible for you. You knew blah, blah, blah. But you continued to use it until you had a negative effect that you felt. Right. Well, actually, no. Yes and no. So I, I know it's terrible now. When when it hurt Rihanna's stomach, I never knew how bad it was for the gut. I was always just like, you're weird. Like, no joke, when she's, um, shout out to Fat Fueled Family, because Danny and Malda just had this conversation um, on episode two of their podcast, where Malda said something like, to the lines of, yeah, I told Danny we needed to get rid of plastics ages ago. And now all of a sudden he comes home and he's like, yeah, we should ditch plastics. And he was like on board, I, which I thought was hilarious, because that's pretty much how things are here. So, no, Rihanna told me Aristotle's bad. But I'm the keto expert. I was like, yeah, whatever. You know, my wife doesn't know. So she did tell me that. And... I, I never, I didn't dig into it. And if I haven't actually dug into it myself, done my own N equals one experiments, like I, you know, I'm, I'm never quick to give advice for something I haven't practically applied. Right. So when she said that, I was just like, yeah, you're weird. I digress. When I felt the impact and then recognized it to be the erythritol that did it, I finally could put two and two together. And I was like, whoa. Now I will say this. There was a time before I actually felt it. Like when I had felt it, I didn't know I had consumed erythritol. And that was where the whole Zebia conversation came in, right? Because I had cut out erythritol before it ever impacted me and actually hurt me. It was after I did the research from how bad it hurt her. And she kept telling me, and I was like, no, that's not true. Which is why I came up with the, okay, so what are the sweetener alternatives we have? Which is where the monk fruit sweetener came in. That's 100% monk fruit. That's where the leucoma came in, which is a... Uh, antioxidants it's a superfood and that's where i started looking at stevia or not stevia um yeah stevia so that's where that all came from but at that point in time i was like okay we're not gonna use erythritol like the very first keto cheesecake i ever made i made it with erythritol i hated the cooling sensation i thought that was kind of weird but i made my first keto cheesecake with erythritol um since then i had stopped which is when we turned to, to the stevia I will now make my next keto cheesecake most likely with some kind of combination of honey and maple syrup. And I feel like those are better options as sweeteners, still doing a minimalistic look at how I can keep the carbs low, but I would rather put honey and maple syrup in to sweeten the cheesecake than I would to put stevia in based on the chemical aspects. So, or the hormonal aspects and impacts of it. So I guess that's my point, right? That's one of those things where I'm like, if it's, choose higher carbs or choose health, I'm going to choose health. Fair. Is that, is that fair? Yep, that's fair. Okay. So, um, and- hey, one thing that you did touch on a little bit more in the last one that um, is the monk fruit and the leucoma. Um, I don't know what oh, you yeah. want to say on that, but like since you brought them up, just kind of because the leucoma I had never heard of actually until last recording. The monk fruit uh, I definitely had heard of, but um, if you just want to kind of like briefly gives give a little 411 on those okay so the information is as follows monk fruit sweetener is amazing it's actually from a fruit it's from a monk fruit look at that what a surprise um Mm -hmm. and if you find monk fruit sweetener 
you have to make sure that you look at and read the ingredients because that was something else I had mentioned, right? Like mm-hmm. Truvia is mixed. Stevie and the right. Raw has dextrose. Like most of these things that are posed and presented as keto friendly sweeteners are actually chock full of sugar and other garbage. So you have to make sure you're looking for 100% that item. So if you find monk fruit sweetener, it's an amazing sweetener. It's about 300 times sweeter than sugar. However, it has a fruity taste, a fruity aftertaste because it's from monk fruit. So if you're using it to make like, I don't know, some type of making a chocolate cheesecake. Not so good. Making a strawberry cheesecake. Probably okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, if you're going to do like some kind of parfait and you're going to, you know, put your fruit in and you're using berries or something like that, it's probably not a big deal. You'll be all right with that. But yeah, like you said, chocolate, no bueno. Lucuma is fantastic. It's got like a butterscotch caramel type taste. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. Again, you want to look for 100% lucuma. And when you're looking for that, if that's something that you want to put in like your coffee, it's okay, um, which I've done before. If you are making some kind of like pumpkin spiced whatever, like a tea, um, lucuma will be a nice addition to that. It's it's one of those things. It is a superfood. I would say the cautionary tale there is depending on the temperature of the beverage depends on how easily it mixes. So definitely something that you want to put in like a blender um, and or if you're going to make some kind of like uh, I've seen someone make a fathead cinnamon roll. I feel like lucuma would probably be an okay sweetener in that in that regard. So that's that. And then, you know, my, my other recommendation would be, hey, this is another reason why you can track. Because at the end of the day, if I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I'm going to stay at 20 grams of total or less carbs. And I made a keto cheesecake and it just so happens that because of the fact that I put maple syrup and or honey in it or whatever, each slice is going to calculate to 15 grams of total carbs. I'm okay with that. I'm not going to eat any of the carbs for the other day, but I would rather say that's going to be the thing that I'm going to eat for whatever the moderate occasion. Right. It's not going to be like, hey, it's Tuesday. I'm having cheesecake, you know, but but for one of those things that makes more sense to me. Um, So, yeah, I would say that. And then for everything else, you know, we didn't we didn't touch on the inflammation of peanut butter and all that kind of stuff. I would just say that, again, I'm going to give you what allows your body to work at and be ketogenic at its purest form. And when I say pure, I mean most efficient, right? So that's keeping your insulin sensitivity as low as humanly possible, reducing all of the type of inflammation that you can have in your body um, and keeping you chemically free. So that's my approach. And there's a lot of other people that have that approach. And then there are some people that are like, hey, I just want to lose weight and I can drink a Powerade Zero and still lose weight. So cool. Um, but I won't subscribe to that. That's not the thing I recommend, if that makes sense. Total. Cool. I would also say, um, yeah, you know, I've never, I never started keto for weight loss. Right. So when people come to me and they're like, I really don't want to make this change. I don't want to make that change. I'm like, there are other options for you to do if you're just trying to lose some weight. Like there, there really is intermittent fasting was amazing for just losing weight. If you're looking to actually increase your performance, to heal your gut, heal your system, heal your body and become the healthiest, best version of yourself, then I would say, hey, there's some other things that you may want to look at. And that's where I think the discrepancies come into who does what, when and what stage they're at. And another reason why I don't think my macros will ever fit yours, yours will never fit mine. And you should never Mm -hmm. look at someone else's full day eating and say, "Okay, cool, I'm going to eat that. Right. Fair enough. Cool. I think it's hilarious that I was like, yeah, we're going to make this quick. And we're like 49 minutes into it. And there's still so many other things. I'm like, and you should look at that. And you should check this and know that. Um, but I guess I'll, I'll, I'll try to wrap this up with this. Mentally, this is not the easiest thing in the world, man. I feel like people don't 
put enough emphasis on that. Right. And which I, I think we've had a couple of good podcasts uh, recently and coming up that people can really understand the mental struggle that, that is changing your life. But with anything worth achieving, there is a requirement and that requirement is and comes in the form of many different things. One of them is mental anguish at times. Like it's tough, man. Um, my grandmother passed away on Sunday. I had uh, a good friend of mine who's also a Jets friend. Shout out Tom, Tom Lovsky, uh, who passed away basically at the same time. And mm, I would love to have just gone through half-baked cookie dough ice cream you know like that would have been fantastic and followed it up with a higher root beer which you know how much i like higher root beer mm-hmm. right so like um that would have made me feel a lot better but it doesn't change the fact that that would have been an emotional response to something and another golden nugget which we we record with malta tomorrow and i'm going to make her say this tomorrow because i just thought it was so profound um And I think it's specifically because she has a love for donuts. So we'll have to dig into that. Mm -hmm. But she made a comment. She was like, yeah, you know, I could eat a donut. And for two seconds, I have that gratification. Like, I feel like the donut was good. But later on, when you look at, you know, she said she'd beat herself up. And I know I'd beat myself up for whatever the period of time is, whether it's two hours later, whether it's two weeks later. You know, I know for me, it's a minimum of two weeks before my body actually gets back to the same spot that it was in prior to that. If I think about all of those things, then I have to ask myself, did did I really balance out? Did that weigh out? And and it doesn't. It never does. So, um, you know, I just I can't stress it enough. I feel like we need to recognize the emotional aspect that food and control that food has over us and then empower ourselves to continue getting over that. And it's not it's not easy, but it's doable. And I think we get better at it each day. There you go. Anything else? Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, is there anything else that you think we should like put in this snapshot into? Hey, guys. This is why keto, why artificial sweeteners, why whatever. I don't even know what we're going to title this, by the way. It's going to be like two of us talking. Feel free to listen in. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I would probably put this as a title of artificial sweeteners. We didn't dig into all the like different questions and things that we did the last time. But um, I think we just went a little bit more into the importance of Okay, I guess the clean slate, starting with a clean slate. Maybe you could title it that, starting with a clean slate. Clean slate. That sounds like a good idea. I have to come yeah. up with these titles. You guys, feel free as you're rating and reviewing us five stars that if you have comments or suggestions for what we should title things, feel free to put those things in the comment and show notes and send us a message because I'd, I'd like to know. You have no idea how long I actually will listen and re-listen and re-listen to figure out, hmm, what am I going to title this other than episode whatever? So, yeah, that's cool. Um, having said that, thanks, Brittany. I'm going to let this wrap up because it is getting later and later. And I know you wake up when it's still dark outside. Yes. Yes. It is. <laughs> but tomorrow is a rest day. So it gets to be a little bit. It will still be dark outside, but that's just because of the time of the year. But OK, awesome. Um, I appreciate it as always. Thank you so much for keeping me balanced and for playing devil's advocate, because otherwise this would just be my show. And I want to make sure that people are able to hear the difference in perspectives and um, be able to make their own decisions and really, you know, live the lifestyle the way that fits their life. Anytime. I will talk to you tomorrow when we talk tomorrow. um, Yes, sounds good. Talk to you later. Have a great night. All right. bye. Bye, everyone. Thank <laughs> you.
The Keto Matrix Podcast, where myths are busted, science is explained, and the keto lifestyle is discussed by industry experts and everyday people alike. For more information and support, go to theketomatrix.com.